TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 487, and I'm Livia, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, I'm Tom. I teach communication and media studies at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. Hey, this is Peter. I write for Why So Blue, and I live in Hollywood. All right, Tom has the news. Hit it, Tom. Okay, in alphabetical order, Amazon bought The Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt for $200 million. That's just a movie, right? It's the movie. Okay. For streaming. Um, Disney Plus has cast Moon in Moon Knight. Ethan Hawke is going to be the bad guy. And they've also announced that Peyton Elizabeth Lee, who was on their, the Andy Mack show, is going to be Doogie Kamealoa. Oh, the, for the new Doogie Hauser. Well, Doogie Kamealoa. <laughs> that's what I meant. Yeah. I just wanted yeah. to make sure our listeners knew what we were talking about. Yes. Uh, HBO has announced that High Maintenance will not have a season five. Insecure will end with season five. And, and Succession season three has added Sanaa Lathan, Linda Eamon, and Jihei to the cast. HBO Max has announced that Godzilla vs. Kong has moved forward two months to March 26th, so it will play in whatever theaters are open and HBO Max at the same time. And also coming in March is uh, Justice League The Snyder Cut, which will be a four-hour movie instead of a miniseries. Yawn. I'm preemptively <laughs> yawning. Okay. It's got to be better than the theatrical version, dude. Four um, hours? No. Four hours. Maybe well, at least it longer we can doesn't make it better. Breaks. Okay. Uh, HBO Max has also ordered a Julia Child drama series, two series, and uh, the cast includes Sarah Lancashire as Julia, but the supporting cast is amazing. David Hyde Pierce, Brittany Bradford, Fran Kranz from formerly of Dollhouse, B.B. Newworth, and Isabella Rossellini. Uh, Gotham PD has hired Joe Barton as the new showrunner. And the Sex in the City stars are each going to make more than a million dollars per episode. Oh, because they're I doing guess... a Sex in the City, not a reboot, but a continuation? Continuation without Kim Cattrall. So good good thing that she's not coming back because they'll save a million dollars per episode. Um, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is taking a hiatus after episode 206. Why? Why? To let them catch up because of the the fun of shooting during COVID, yeah. and they ordered comedies Grand Crew, American Auto, and the drama La Brea, two series for twenty one twenty two. They initially were going to be they had been ordered to pilot last year around this time. So, COVID, Netflix announced they will release seventy one films this year, which is more than one, one movie a week. week. They said one movie more week. than one movie a week. Oh. Wow. And they also acquired Heart of Stone with Gal Gadot for eight figures. Oprah Winfrey Network has has announced that the haves and have nots will end with season with the second half of season eight. Showtime has announced that the Dexter revival that none of us care about 
is going to be set in upstate New York. TNT has announced that, is that Animal where King... he was he got left in his cabin in upstate, so it's gonna it's gonna be in that cabin where he's up. Like really? Who knows? God, uh, half um, the part of that show was being in Miami. Yeah, well, it's not gonna be in Miami. And then finally, Animal Kingdom on TNT has been renewed for its sixth and final season. That's okay. it. Let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk The Rookie. And this was the second episode back. And so because last week we were really concentrating on, um, con- you know, they had a cliffhanger finale. This week was really the first episode of what second season is, or what season are we on? Third season? Whatever this new season is, what it's going to look like. And so they're dealing with you know, police issues and corrupt stuff within the police department. But we're seeing it through the eyes of good cops. I put in parentheses because there are heroes of the show. And I I, I recall, Peter, this was what you were waiting for. You were like, how come we're dealing with this other stuff? And now, finally, we're dealing with current events. So, Peter, I want you to go first. What did you think of this episode? Well, you know, I had been waiting a long time for <clears throat> to see um, the rookie Grey's Anatomy and um, 911 because I figured I was like I would think those shows would would like literally deal with like the coronavirus and um, and then I, when the great Grey's Anatomy might not do Black Lives Matter, but so Grey's Anatomy actually yes they've dealt with the coronavirus. Uh, 911, we're still waiting. I would assume they would because they like big spectacle things. Um, but at first, I was because, as you guys recall, might recall, the beginning of the rookie episode two is um, it's Nolan and I forgot it's one of the other characters, and they both have masks on, and I was like, oh, but they're actually just I think they're like painting his house or right, something, right. so it's more just like a joke of like, oh, it's not the pandemic, um, so they don't they don't deal with it in a ripped from the headlines way. They don't deal, there is no pandemic. And then as far as Black Lives Matter, there are no like, at least so far, there are no protests or anything happening. However, what they do do is they bring Brandon Routh in, who is normally a pretty likable, like, I know that Libya, you don't love him as an actor, but you would agree he normally plays likable character. Like that's his thing. So he basically plays a character that, um, I, I'm sorry, I forget for no, except for Nolan, I don't remember the other characters. Do you remember the character's name that he gets partnered with? I know what you're with? talking about. Uh, it's basically the African American, uh, young African American. It's like I think his father is the his head father's of, the head of IA. Right, his father's the head of IA, and so basically he gets saddled with him, and I thought it did a pretty good job because essentially the Brandon Routh character, we haven't seen him kill anybody yet or anything but like there is a confrontation with um three young black it was youths. one it was one black guy it was him and well, his but parents like three of them and but when they approach but yeah there's one particular person he's talking to but he gives them a really hard time thinking for that he might no reason right no for no reason, reason. Yeah. and the character is i think the character is actually saying that they got robbed he's like right. oh i got robbed so i called the police and everything and we see how he handles it and it's not very good. Um, and I actually thought, and oh, and then and then the other story is that Nolan is as part of a new initiative 
Uh, LAPD is is doing more to try to like reach out to communities. So Nolan and his partner are are in a low income like right. neighbor, neighborhood, and he's trying to do the, you know, he's trying to help because he's Nolan and everything. But it is brought up that he basically is kind of like a white savior. And is he doing it to make himself feel better? So I actually, I thought for a show like The Rookie, like this is not going to be some super gritty. This is a network show. Like, so I'm not expecting like HBO-esque, like, you know, violence or d darkness. It's not like that. But I got to say, I was actually pretty moved. I actually thought that both stories worked really well. Um so yeah, I thought it was really one of the strongest like rookie episodes. I really thought that the writers really brought it. I thought they were really aware of what's going on. Um, and it's a show with a white middle-aged guy as the lead. And I think they did kind of like the best kind of thing that they could do. You know, they did they didn't ignore it, you know, they addressed it. And um, yeah, I thought it was really good. Well, I, I was impressed with the Nolan storyline because Nolan, we always see the story through his eyes, and he is literally doing what he thinks is a good thing. Like everything he does right. is, is he's gen he's genuinely a nice guy and he's genuinely trying to do a good, good job and help people. And he has this guy telling him what all the things that he thinks that are good are not, that he's actually not helping. And then his partner just is like, instead of doing what you think is the right thing, why don't you ask the people in the community what they need? And so when he changes his perspective, that's when he actually starts to make progress. And I thought that was a good message. No, I agree. Totally agree. So, yeah, thumbs up for the, what the rookie is doing this season. And then the next week's episode, it looks like Brandon Ralph goes bad. It goes badder than he had. Like, I like that they set yeah. him up in this episode and then next week's so episode. Do you, do you like Brandon? Because I know you don't love the actor, but do you think he's doing a, a solid job? Well, I think just because, like you said, he's he's usually typecast as being this super friendly, affable guy, and then to flip it on you and have him have this dark side, I think that works. I think that's actually good casting. Right. If you had, if they had never used the the actor who who always calls each everyone boot. What about you know the guy's always like boot? Yeah, but we already know he's a good guy, so you can't no, 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 really no, no, flip no. him. I'm saying if that actor was not on the rookie, and then you cast him as the Brendan as this character, it wouldn't work as well because he's such a he's such a tough, gruff personality that I'd be like, oh, this guy's awful or whatever. But because it's Brendan Routh, I'm like, I kind of want to like him, which I thought which works well. Right, that's my point. Yeah, I said it's good casting. So, all right, let's move on. Uh, so thumbs up for the rookie. They're doing a great job so far this season. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Bridgerton, and we're going to talk episode five and six. And I'm going to let Tom lead the discussion since he it's actually still fresh in your mind. Yeah. So uh, so how are you liking the show so far? You're you're right in the middle right now. I I like the show. I was almost tempted to keep watching, but I figured uh, I'll stop. It'll be easy to differentiate. So episode five is uh, The Duke and I, which is the name of the book that this season is based on. And that is they have to make a personal appeal to Queen Charlotte to get married. Oh, no, to get married or, early. Cause remember, to get married early right. because Charlotte still wants to hook up. Uh, hook up. Um, is it Daphne? With yeah. her with nephew, yeah. yeah, who's your generic, you know, blonde Disney prince type, you know, yeah. whatever. But um, so and the speech Simon gives to Charlotte 
is wonderful and beautiful and and you know um Daphne is very impressed and then she finds out that that's actually how Simon feels about her. I mean, yeah. come on, it's it's the oldest romantic comedy trope of all time. You've got two people, two hot people who hate each other when they first meet and they end up in each other's arms, beds, whatever. Um so episode uh episode 5 is basically focused on that. Episode six is on the newlyweds and the honeymoon and the sex and the sex and the sex and the sex. <laughs> it's pretty tame compared to some TV stuff, but the frequency and intensity gets a little bit, it gets a little bit, they go a little bit overboard. And then the big reveal is the fact that, um, <clears throat> he has been abstaining from a certain part of the act to ensure he does not inseminate her. And when she goes to the chambermaid and finds out, she is, well, she gets him in bed and makes sure that they can consummate, and then she lets him have it. Yeah. And it's well, not I mean, pretty. The thing is, he basically lied to her from the beginning. Oh, no, he did. Not basically, he did. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and... <laughs> And then he's like confused about why she's mad at him. I was like, he was like, well, I told you ahead of time. I was like, no, you didn't. She, he made it seem like he was physically incapable, incapable. Of, ha of having kids. He didn't say, oh, I just don't want kids. That's a whole different conversation. And uh, he, yeah, he absolutely lied to her. And she should feel affronted. And wow. So now they went from loving honeymooners to being all over each other to now we're not speaking to each other because we're mad. Um, and I I mean, it, it is the romance trope, but I mean, you can't take your eyes off of it. It's like a beautiful train wreck. And, you know, you love watching. You cannot stop watching it. You're like, oh my God, this is so tropey and this is just like fan fiction and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Allison, your thoughts real quick. It's the, my thoughts are pretty much the same thing. It's like you know, I mean, the whole time that that I'm watching this, I'm thinking there is there is nothing but just this this long train of cliches that I'm watching, and I'm still eating up every single minute of it. Which means uh, they're doing it the best way possible. They're pretty. Yeah, it's because they're pretty. They're incredibly it's pretty. not just they're pretty. The writing is also really well done. I mean, they are doing the tropes, but they're doing them so well that. You don't care that they're tropes. It's a yeah. Shonda show, man. She knows yeah, how to do this. It's a bread and butter. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it and yes, they're being pretty. Though to be fair, he's prettier than her, which is oh yes, much. Yeah, he's prettier <laughs> she's than her. She's just sort of generic blonde, you know. She's generic. Yeah, she's dude. generic pretty. Uh, Honestly, the one who plays her 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 bookish sister would have been more interesting to cast as the lead than she is. You know, whenever I look she's at got her, more personality, you mean? She does. She's, she's more charismatic. Yeah. yeah, the brunette. She's more charismatic. She's just got more personality. And it's not just because of the character she's playing. I think the actress herself is just more interesting. I, I think if that. you flipped roles, it would have been more interesting. Huh. I, I will say, though, these, this is around the time where we start spending time with the other brothers, right? So we get the second brother yes. is... Going to the art show, or it's not not an art show, but hanging out with the artists and um, going to their wild parties. I don't remember how wild the parties were. I can't remember where you. What parties happened got in, pretty, pretty. I know what I'm asking. And Tom, mainly he got he, 
I'm was, asking Tom was, so that I don't uh, tell ahead. Tom. No, it's it it's uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I couldn't tell if it was a party or a brothel. I mean, that's how bad it was. <laughs> But then he actually I don't think that there was really that much of a distinction between the two, honestly. Right. But you know, um matter of whether money changed hands or not. He's been flirting with um oh with the cousin of the of the poorer family who's knocked up by the army dude. Oh, that's the youngest brother. The youngest brother has been courting the that's right, that's right, that's right. The youngest I'm, brother's I'm, been courting I'm, that her, and then the middle brother has been going to the art show, and he walked right. in on two dudes making out, and was like, Oops. but he was cool with it. So he's like, yeah, uh, what are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> so uh, the uh, vow of silence. Right. Um, I knew, and this is moving. This was the the uh, another concern of episode six. You knew that that wedding was not going to come off with a hitch because the one sister. The one sister who's jealous because she likes uh, Br- uh, Bridgerton brother number three, BB three. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure if she's the one who leaked it to the goss- gossip oh, girl. Whistle down. Yeah, lady whistle down. But uh, it gets out by the end of the episode, so that's where that storyline ends. So oh right. So was- the wedding is off. Episode seven. Dum, dum, dum. Okay. All right. So, so far, we're saying thumbs up for Bridgerton. Yay. Oh, yeah. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. We're on episode two. She is now the boss, and uh, her work space is now like a frat house, which sucks a lot. Mm-hmm. And I say that from somebody who has worked in a frat house like environment. That is not cool. Um, and then. Her the big conflict was her and Max trying to take their relationship <laughs> to the next level, and then the problems with him breaking out into song every time they're about <laughs> to have sex. And that makes stuff complicated. Uh, let's start, Peter. What do you think of the episode? Did you are you watching? No, you're not watching Zoe. No. No, I'm sorry. I only saw a couple episodes of the of this first season, and I love the cast. I just I don't know. I didn't stick with it. I know everyone loves it though. Yeah, boo. Be quiet. All right. <laughs> Allison, your thoughts. I I love this episode. I mean, I was I was, you know, saying that we really needed to move along and make this happier and then they seem to be going in the in that direction, which is great. This was just a fun episode, which is what I expect from from Zoe's extraordinary playlist. And I loved the scene where they were trying to make out, which was amazing because <laughs> I mean just this constant intrusion of take me out to the ball game. Just I was it was just the most hilarious thing in the world. I, I swear. Um I had forgotten actually that he had been that he'd found out that she could do this. So it was like it, oh, not until that scene. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. You know, I mean it's it's been a while. So <laughs> I I wasn't aware it's like who knows that she can do this besides mo um but that scene was gold that that was great and um just uh, all of it was was really fun and great to watch and i love whenever they can get the the cast at the uh, at her workplace to do the big dance routines i mean that's the whole pur- purpose of having all the guys there and i love the fact that they have now introduced women onto the floor yay, yay. 
Good they for really, them. Of all the guys that they should have got rid of, they should have got rid of the frat, main frat boy guy. I really expected him to get transferred out. Cause I, I don't oh, no, because like he's one of the main players. They got rid of the guys we've never seen before. That's true. Like, of course. You know, dancer number six in the background. <laughs> That's who we got rid of. I just don't like that guy. That's all. I like Leaf. I think Leaf is great, but I don't like his best bro. I think he's annoying. Oh, I yeah. think he's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like the idea of more women on the floor. Yes. Uh, that that works for me because now no longer a frat house. I like it. Oh, fun fact. I, I was reading Austin Winsberg's Twitter. They wrote in the script they were looking for a Harvey Gillen type. <laughs> I don't, I don't, and then I don't, Harvey don't, Gillen, and Harvey Gillen showed up. I don't know what they're. Who's Harvey Gillen? The guy was on Magicians and What We Do in oh, the Shadows. Oh, so they they literally said, "Can we find?" They a... wrote in the script, or, or they wrote in the breakdowns, "We're looking for a Harvey Gillen type." <laughs> they didn't. Needless to say, they didn't make him read. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. He's just so perfect for that. I'm really glad oh. that he's been added to the show because I love him so much in what we do in the shadows and and he's just perfect in this he's oh great. yeah he's, he's great. i didn't know he could sing i think yeah, we he did can. know he yeah. could sing oh, oh he sang on magicians i'm pretty sure he sang in magicians. did he yeah did he yeah everybody sings on magicians. I don't remember. well they they did they did do the one musical episode per season but i don't remember whether his character was part of that i feel like so. i remember him singing uh but anyway huh. let's let's move on so thumbs up zoe uh, next up, oh. we're going to talk about uh, The Expanse. And whoa, stuff got real. I mean, it got real that, before it, when they blew up the planet and whatnot. You know, like launched missiles yeah. at Earth. This that is was real. Inter, this is interpersonal. Yes, yeah, I have got... never been so pissed off that they did not drop the entire season at once. <laughs> and I got to the end of this episode, it's like, no, don't leave me here. <laughs> and seven and eight worked together because they had the same director oh man it's it was so good just the emotional because every other episode we visit what each character was doing but in this episode we stay with naomi and you understand why you stay with her because it goes the emotional arc is so intense it's so intense like i remember yelling at the screen towards the end of the episode like that moment where She's making progress. She's talking to her son. He's crying in her arms. She's making progress with her friend. He makes this big confession. Everybody's crying and apologizing. And then you get to the scene where she needs them to back her up. And they both turn their back on her. Literally. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, the crushing of the chest. And... I was yelling at the screen when she's walking back to her quarters and she's crying. I was like, no, this is not Naomi. Naomi's a fighter. She does not give up. Like, I was yelling at my television at that point because I was like, no, she is not a victim. She is not this. And I was like, she, they cannot just, no one's coming to rescue her. She's going to, she's got to do this on her own. And I was getting so yeah, angry and I was yelling at, I was yelling at my television and then she did it like a boss, like yeah, a boss. I was, I was just, I was, you know, the, the thing is logically what she did should not have worked at all. No, they uh, said scientifically was, it does work. Scientifically it, it, it does it, work. It, it does except work. It, except it really shouldn't because remember that they're, they're moving. 
the the ship is moving. It looks like they're stationary and they're tied together, but they're moving. They hadn't, and moved, when she, they hadn't moved yet. They were oh, but, they were. No, it doesn't matter when when you turn off the engine. The, the you still drift. There's still right, momentum. Right, right. Good still point. Drift. So they're moving, and when she leaps out that door. She's moving, but she's just moving this way while they're moving that way. So the door should have been over here and Naomi should have been floating in space. Um, and and I was like, she's got superpowers. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. That's the thing I'm going to say. I'm not going to think about that. I know that that's the case, but I'm not going to think about that because it was She has 15 seconds in vacuum before she passes out. Yeah. And plus she gave herself the shot of adrenaline on the way so she could make it. Oh, but, I thought that was anti radiation med. Yeah, I think that was yeah, it was anti radiation because she's exposed to radiation out in space without a spacesuit. Okay. Well I I wasn't sure which because just just your you know, your body is starting to betray you. Your your blood cells are you know, starting to And that's to why die. she she breathed um, out. Freezing. Yeah, she breathed out to get the oxygen out of her lungs. Yeah, but um, even moving would be difficult. It's like, you know, her friend who was in the doorway, he literally he, just froze to death he's because gone. He's gone. He all he had to do was reach over and press that button, and he froze before he could do it. Right. So I mean, that's so I figured maybe it was adrenaline that she shot herself with, so she would have that extra oomph to to make it and hold the hey, door. I'm not sure what she shot herself with, but uh, whatever it was, you know, it's it's like I said, I'm not going to question that deeply. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> it was a great scene. But Marcos is a he's a piece of work. Oh um, yeah. When he when he totally just completely humiliates his son jeez yeah that was such a weird scene too because he really did rip him down to shreds yeah and then it ended with him like but that's why i love you and everyone's gonna applaud you now it's like how does that because it's a cult it is a cult but it's a cult leader and what's funny is i listened to for, for the first time i watched the after show on um on youtube but they talked about it. They they wanted to they they put that brief memory flash so you could see why once upon a time when they were young that they were in love. But he is such an a hole. Yeah. And they felt that they needed to motivate that he at once once upon a time he did have redeeming qualities. But when she found out his true nature, she's like, check please. But man, what a! I, I can't wait till she better she better get a chance to plug him. I don't want Holden doing it for her. I want. Oh her. no, no! I think she's nah. she's gonna she's I, gonna I wanna, she's gonna be yeah. the one who. Yeah. Because he is such a rhymes with ick. Well, the thing <laughs> the the thing about Naomi is she is a much better fighter than Holden is, and she's tougher than him. So. She is not a damsel in distress, which was why I was getting annoyed that she was being held prisoner for so long without really trying to break out. And so, but, but you find out really she was being held there, not because they were holding her prisoner, but because of hope. She was hoping she could turn her son. And when she gets to this episode and realizes that that's just not happening, that frees her to leave. And she does it pretty immediately. So <laughs> yes, yes. yeah, so I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm, I'm like, I was worried that they were, you know, dehyping or making her less of a badass, but they did not. So I'm, I was very oh, happy. No, no, no. But yeah, that was a great cliffhanger. You, you, ah, oh. 
So glad Naomi's back. The Naomi that we <laughs> that we love. Um, all right. Let's move on. Thumbs up. Next up, we're going to talk about Mr. Mayor, episode three, uh, followed quickly by Call Me Cat. So that's up to you, Peter. You and Tom uh, will lead this discussion on episode three of Mr. Mayor because I watched the first two and was not impressed. Is episode three of Mr. Mayor any better? It's better than two. I Two was the one where... He's on the. Uh, he gets high with yeah. Tommy Bear. Yeah, that was that was the worst. That was that was the worst. The third is. Me to sleep. Okay. I mean, it's. I I like. I like the cast. Both of these shows. I just. Eh. I, I will. The only thing I will say is that like. Um, so wait, Mr. Mayor is is uh, it's Tina Fey and Tom. Who's the other producer? Robert Carlock. Are they the ones who did? Are they the ones who did? Uh, uh Kimmy Schmidt. Dirty Roth. Well, and Kimmy Schmidt. And yeah. It's her, so it's her like, I guess I want to, I guess I'm, I'm more on board to hope that they just need to find their footing because like, I like the things that they've done in the past. And I certainly think that the cast is like capable. It's like Bobby Moynihan from SNL, Holly Hunter, like obviously Ted Danson. But yeah, so far I'm just like, eh, I was like, it's kind of meh. Like, I, I don't, don't, I don't like the flunkies in the mayor's office. It's not that I it's not that I like those characters, but I like those actors. So I'm kind of like you. Could... I'm not that sold on the actors. They're just kind of eh. Uh, like the one who's the second in command. She's okay. I feel like I've seen her in other things. I she I think she's kind of dull. And and uh, the dude. Yeah, I mean I'm not gonna. Yeah. The, the, the two the two younger actors in the mirror's office I just don't find interesting. Whereas on Call Me Cat, which has I think a better cast overall. And the premise is the premise is wafer thin. It's based on a British show, but um, blah, <laughs> Mayim Bialik from uh, Big Bang Theory has a cat-themed coffee shop. Right, and that's right. it. Like that's she, the entire premise. And she's well, she's in her thirties and unmarried, and her mom's yeah, all twenty. Be, and then right, her ex-boyfriend. She's gonna be forty soon. But the whole the whole thing is she breaks the fourth wall. She talks to the camera, yeah, and yeah. she's very, she's a very very positive person. So like while her mother might give her a hard time and be like you you know you're gonna be alone. You need to find somebody. She doesn't really mind. She likes her life the way she is. And I do. I agree. I, I I mean I guess what call me cat what what call me cat is putting out there in the world I like more. But even that it's eh, it's still pretty mediocre to me. It's not great, but I like the cast. I I wonder if they're going for like a Ted Lasso-y positivity vibe, right? Which I hope, which which would be great if that's they're going. And I like her, and I like I like the middle-aged one guy. He's always he's been on a ton of stuff. Do you know who you're talking about? You mean the uh, the bar the bartender? He's the the one who she brings as her date to the wedding. Oh no, he's he, yeah he's he's done a ton of he was on Will and Grace. He was. He was Jack's nemesis on Will and Grace. Yes, that's who he was. Yeah, like I like him. Like, oh yeah, he's he's funny and. But they're both just. Eh. Look, I I am a sitcom person. I can watch any sitcom. So like, I could probably end up watching either of those on my lunch break and be like, sure, I'll watch this. But but either but right now I I don't really think there I don't really think I can recommend either. You know. I really like Cheyenne Jackson as the. Uh, he's a bartender that used to be. He and Kat were really good friends in college, and she had a crush on him. I guess they did right. actually 
date for a while, and then he's been involved with somebody else and recently broken up, but he still pines after her. But they have good chemistry, and um, I think it was episode two, they do these, they're in a piano bar, and they're both terrific singers. Cheyenne Jackson's been on Broadway, so he's amazing. Are, so, are but, you, so Tom, are you recommending Call Me Cat? I would give an edge to Call Me Cat just because I really like the cast. The purpose is wafer thin. It made me smile much more than Mr. Mayor. Mr. Mayor is trying so hard to be, this is what it is. Mr. Mayor is trying to be hip and funny and Cat isn't trying to be hip. They're just trying to be funny. That's true. You know, that's a good point. Yes, I would agree. All right. So I give... Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up, we're going to talk about a movie, but it came out on uh, Amazon Prime uh, called One Night in Miami. And the premise of this movie is that it's based on a real event, but nobody was in there to tell you what happened at the event. So it's a fictionalization of said event. So it is the night where Cassius Clay slash Muhammad Ali finally becomes the champion of uh boxing just wins the championship heavyweight Heavyweight champion champion of the world uh of the world thank you that's what i was looking for and on that night he ends up in a hotel room with malcolm x jim brown from football and sam cook the singer so the four of them spend the night together talking about well we don't know exactly what they talked about in in the real event but this is a fictionalization of their conversation what we would imagine they talked about i feel like this is probably close to the mark because malcolm x was involved in the conversation um so it was real they did a really good job what i really enjoyed was that for the first half hour we spend time getting to know each character to see where their starting point is before they enter the hotel room so we have an idea of their mindset And then once you get in the hotel room, they let the tensions just go all over the place. And it was fantastic. Like I, I was very uncomfortable at certain, I was like, Oh my God, I had like paused the movie. I was like, Ooh, it's really (laughs) tense guys. Uh, because you like, you know, you feel like, you know, everyone in the room, like all the, the characters or the people you feel like you Mm -hmm. have some affinity for who they are. So when they're fighting each other, it makes you feel uncomfortable because you like them all. Um, though, to be fair, I didn't have a real affinity to Sam Cooke, particularly. But now I feel like I do, now that I've seen the movie. Uh, but Well, it helps that he's played by Leslie Odom Jr. That does <laughs> yeah. help. That does help. Uh, so I want to hear what you guys think. Uh, which Whoever wants to go next. I loved it. I um I, I participated in a Zoom webinar or a conversation with the four leads and the screenwriter. So, and one of the things they, uh, the moderator asked them, they did not approach um, the ones who were, um, they did not approach their real life counterparts or their families. But the playwright did, um, when, the, when the stage play was going on and Kemp Powers adapted his own stage play and also executive produced with director Regina King. But um, he said that Ali's daughters came to see the stage show and approved. And then he got word from uh, Jim Brown's 
I think Jim Brown's daughter came and also liked it. So Jim Brown's the only one of the four who is still alive. Right. And he's not talking. <laughs> yeah, he said only thing he said was we had ice cream. That's the only yes. comment he made. And that's the one thing we well, they do did. for a fact is Malcolm <laughs> X brought ice cream instead of booze. <laughs> right. Vanilla. Yes. Vanilla. <laughs> but it it was I thought it was, you know, a lot some some people were dissing the movie just because, oh, we don't know that this happened. It's like he, I mean, they're not they're they're not casting any aspersions that it is clearly historical fiction, but that does not mean it's not truthful. Right. Because the discussions felt know. like a real discussion. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Right. Especially when you know that Ali was, you know, that everybody wasn't on board with Ali becoming a Muslim. Right. And Ali himself probably had second thoughts. Right. And yeah, it's just, it, it's I highly recommended. One of the things I really appreciated about it as somebody, as a screenwriter, and I've written a couple plays too, is they really opened it up as much as possible. So you're not really just confined to the one location. And uh, it doesn't feel stagey. Right. Kind of, kind of like um, how they adapted Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Right. It doesn't feel stagey. So, but the performance. I think they actually are... did a better job of it, though, though, because even with, with, with uh, Ma Rainey, I still it felt like an adapted play. Um, they it were wasn't like, like up two, enough. They were like in two places for Ma Rainey. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it still felt like I was watching an adapted play, whereas this genuinely felt like a screenplay. It, it, it moved around and, and wasn't stuck in just that one little room. And I really, it, it felt more like they'd, they'd gone to the trouble of really adapting it for, for the screen. So I, I really appreciated that. And I thought it, I thought it was in, incredibly well done. And like you said, I, you know, being, being picky that you don't know exactly what they said to each other, I think it's more that they were true to the the people themselves, the, the historical individuals who we know, and a lot of what was said was referenced in ways that, you know, they, they referred to things that they had said before or after, and and so I think it was true to who they were as people. So it worked for me, because nothing nothing that happened or that was said was something that made me feel like, oh, they never would have said something like that. That's just so not true. I can't, well, I can't imagine. The only thing never. I would say is Jim Brown, everybody said that Jim Brown's a really big, like macho kind of guy. And in that room, he actually felt like he had the smaller, quieter personality. Like he was almost the referee of the craziness that was going on and the arguments and stuff. Uh, but I do like that he was more contemplative. Like he was the one that mm-hmm. was just thinking about what everybody was saying. And he really didn't pick a side per se. He was very much just listening. To- well, he was pragmatic. Yeah. He was he's and, most pragmatic of them. And the thing you've got to realize is these men were friends. Right. So it's not just like they weren't just, they're not just meeting for the first time. Right. And it made sense to me that Sam Cook and Malcolm really had the most conflict because Cook's dad was a minister, was a Baptist minister. So you've got a, you know, you've got a devout Christian versus one of the most prominent Muslims of the era. And he's kind of, you know, because they're all friends, he feels that you are forcing, enticing 
uh, cash to go a certain way. You're trying to recreate them in your image. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is at the same time where Malcolm had the big, he was having the big falling out with Elijah Muhammad. Right. So, yeah, it's really, I loved that it was complex. It's a simple pitch, but it's not a simple story in terms of these personalities and what they're dealing with. And it's thoroughly engaging. The cast is amazing. And Regina King, this is her feature directorial debut. Nailed it. Especially the fight. Yeah, the fight with Sonny Liston. She did a really good job. Having yeah, having that boxing fight, I didn't realize Sonny Liston was like, "Nah, man, I'm out." <laughs> that was the best part. That was so because I was like, "Wait, did that really happen?" Like, I didn't I didn't know that 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 was how that fight ended, and that was fantastic. Where he just was like, he was like, "You should quit now. You should quit now." And the dude was like, "I'm out." I was like, "You could." He's like, he just threw in his own towel. Wow, that was that was amazing. But yeah, so just her directing that fight, it felt like an Ali fight. That dude was so fast. And the punches mm-hmm. were just, it yeah, felt like a, a real fight from Ali. I love that because that's what he was known for. I mean, you know, floats like a butterfly, stings like a bee. Um, and he, he, was, he was like a dancer yeah. on, on the, in the ring. And you could see where the difference was between his style and everybody else's and why he became, you know, such a champ. I mean, it wasn't just because he won a lot of, of fights. It was because, I mean, he was amazing to watch. Right. Yeah, all of that was good. She did a great job. She did a really good job. So, thumbs up for me. If you have not seen it, it's on Amazon. It's fantastic. All right. Yes. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Discovery of Witches, Episode 2. And, oh, my God, what is happening with this show? Why did I like first season? I remember that I like first season. It but wasn't watching, like this season. But watching why. second season, I can't remember why I liked first season. It feels like work watching this show. And part of it is I literally don't know what's happening. Like, like, uh, what is his name? Matthew is in a conflict between three different missions, but I can't keep track. I was like, wait, who's he working for? Is this a, why is this a problem? Like, I can't keep track of it, which is weird because it's not that complicated. And it felt like watching the episode, nothing was happening for like 50 minutes. And it's not until she finally gets a witch to says, okay, we're going to be your teacher. And then I realized part of my issue too is it's become a period piece. And so you could tell that they've spent money on the costumes, but they haven't spent money on the sets. Like the sets look super cheap. And I was like, why does this show look, so cheap and it's so weird uh yeah i'm not i'm not digging second season so far i i didn't find the sets particularly cheap looking and until we got to to like throne room scenes uh where it's like okay that's that's not that a throne better room. Yeah. um yeah that's that's just a hallway that they <laughs> stuck a chair in. well i think my issue um, was like in the second episode when she goes to meet the coven of witches they're like in a warehouse like what what? Well, no, that I could, they, that I understood because remember they're not they, they're they, they have been um, considered illegal, so they have to find like a barn somewhere or something where they can they can meet 
that you know nobody's they can't have like you know their their official witch coven you know meeting oh, all they're, they're just going to find some some barn someplace and that's that's exactly what it was it was like a barn by a lake and and so it made sense that that's where they were but i think what bothers me with this season is that like you said it feels like nothing happens and and we go around and around and around in circles for over what should have been you know it should have taken like three episodes what instead takes like eight episodes to wade through and it's it, it just you're you're asking yourself why is this taking so long I mean, the whole the whole crux of it, I think, is that she needs to learn enough magic so, so she can, can go back. come back right. and and you know be a threat. But if she has so much magic that she can actually you know take herself and Matthew back 400 years, um, she's starting from a higher level than than they're making out to be. And this should not take as long as as it seems to take. And and we just keep running over the same tropes you know, again and again and again. Well, and they're making Matthew so super, like, not uninteresting, but, like, unsympathetic. Like, I don't like him. And he hasn't even done anything particularly evil yet other than, you know, torture. Oh, he did kill that guy that we know is innocent. And he tortured that other guy that we know is innocent. So, okay, he did those two things. But it's just... <laughs> A little it's, bit it's, evil. It's, it's, it's mainly it's how he's treating um, Diana... Uh, that's really bothering me the most. And I just, I don't like him. I don't like, normally, you know, first season they got me with their relationship and it was, you know, it was uh, forbidden. And so you're like, oh, that's going to be cool. And then you feel like they really love each other and it's all great. And I'm, I'm the champion of shipping people and I don't like them together now. I'm like, and she's like, he's essential. It's the book and Matthew and all of us are together to make a thing. And I'm like, mm, can we have somebody else? I, I, I vote Matthew out of the club. Uh, yeah. Well, the thing is that I'm hoping is that at least, you know, next season they go back to the present day. And I'm hoping that it recaptures where where season one was and how that felt. Because, yeah, season two... I mean, I, I appreciate some of the historical attention to details and how they work certain characters in and that kind of thing. But the rest of it is, is really kind of tedious. And, um, yeah, not my not my favorite season. If this had been how it started, I probably would not yeah, still be watching. Exactly. All right. Uh, so thumbs down for me on Discovery of Witches. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Lupin which uh, Allison dropped on us last night and was like, hey, everybody watch Lupin. And um, <laughs> I, I watched two episodes. Tom, how far did you get? You did not get far? I didn't like it? Did not. No, I didn't get far. Oh, uh, did you, you? You didn't finish the first one at all or even get close? I told you. I got a call and I had to take <laughs> okay. Oops. So Tom is, is, is Lupin out. Is out. Um, I like the fact that it's based like Lupin is basically a, a a character from a book who is a gentleman thief, and so our main character is basically modeled himself after this gentleman thief, and he spent his entire life learning to become basically Lupin, and you get a revenge plot. Uh, you find out his father was falsely accused. Uh, he was a he was a chauffeur, and it was the whole rich people something goes missing, and it must have been the help that stole it. 
Um, and so the father gets accused of the theft and gets sentenced to some large number of years in prison. And then uh, that he gets tricked into, well, not tricked. He gets told that if he writes a confession that he'll get a reduced sentence. But that's not that doesn't apply to black people, apparently. So he actually got a bigger sentence. And it's just like the plot of this is our main character. What is his name? Asan? Really? Yeah, Asan. Uh, he is trying to track down what really happened. Like, who really stole this necklace? I mean, the obvious answer is the guy stole it himself for the insurance money. That's the very obvious answer. And then he paid off the cop to get a, a you know, what do you call it? A fall guy for it. Mm -hmm. um, and I also think the cop killed him and did the suicide. Because I don't think his father really committed suicide. A father who loves his son that much is not going to just kill himself in prison like that. So, well, that's that's part of that's part of why he's he's searching for answers about what's going on because he doesn't believe that his father committed suicide either. So he's looking for a murderer as well as looking for what exactly happened to to that necklace. Right. So I've only seen and, the first two. So in the yeah. first one, it's about the heist which is he steals the necklace. Once mm -hmm. he finds out the necklace has resurfaced, he decides to steal it to see if it can lead him to the pre people who stole it in the first place. Right. And, and what I liked particularly about the way they structured that episode is that when you first meet him, he's just dressed like a janitor. Right. And, and it, it's like, oh, so, you know, he figures out that he could maybe steal this necklace and, and get a lot of money. So he involves some people who he owes money to. And and you can't imagine how this is going to work. Well, I know, because I mean, he's, 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 he's got like the, the stupidest people in the world as, you as, know, yes, you know, as accomplices, right? Cohorts. Um, but, but, you know, he's, he goes in there and he's, he's dressed elegantly and he's going to be one of the bidders on the necklace and he's determined to get the winning bid and then figure out a way to, to get the necklace out of there. And so that you're thinking, okay, well, that's where it starts. Except then later on, they, 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 they do flashbacks, which make you realize that no, actually he's been a thief for a really long time. And he has set these guys up as, as the, the fall yeah, guys yeah. for for when he, the necklace gets stolen. And it's pretty brilliant how he does it. I mean, granted, it, it it relies on you figuring that the Louvre has the worst security system on the planet, but um, he still you know finds ways to get around it that are that are really interesting and clever. And the whole thing with the chase with the car and and crashing through the, the <laughs> ceiling and that was nuts and and all of that was all of that was great but i love him as a character i love i love um you know learning about his his background and the family that he's got because he's he he well not a wife but he has a girlfriend who he had a son with and oh, i love um, the fact that he passed that book on to his son i think that's yes great. and the yes. son can't put it down yeah. yeah, from from going to, from doing nothing but being on his phone all day. Now he's just pouring over this book, um, which is which is pretty awesome. But I I I really am enjoying the show, um, and I I 
you know, I've finished it already, so I don't know exactly. Really? You started watching it yesterday. I know. I, I'm banned <laughs> that way. And it was good. It's really fun to watch. And it's, let's, let's face it, it's, it's five episodes long. Oh, it's um, only five episodes. So oh, that's just It's only five episodes. Well, it's part one, but they do tell you that it continues. So we will we will be getting more of it later. But, um, I mean, it's five really taught, really well done episodes. And, uh, and, you know, it introduces you to, to the other people in his life and his, his best friend, who's also his fence. Um, and, and all of that is good stuff. And I, I just think, you know, also what really holds it together is the lead is tremendously charismatic. And I love, I love watching him and watching how he outwits everybody. Well, what's, what's, what's so great is there's that scene where he's in the prison and he's talking to the nurse and the nurse sees hardened criminals all day long and is totally unaffected by them, but he charms her. He mm -hmm. gets her to like really care about him in like two days. And it's because like you said, he's super charming. He just, he puts that out there, that energy. And it's like, he got stabbed and he still got a smile on his face. He's like, Oh, thank you for taking care of me. And blah, blah, blah. blah. And I was like, that was a little risky because he he got shanked. That that could have gone wrong. Yeah. Um, a lot of it depends on lucky breaks. Yeah, you know, I mean, one, just that one depends. The only thing that I call shenanigans on is the hanging himself and using the, yes. the basketball net to brace himself. First of all, that how dude, did they not notice that? Well, I, even if they didn't notice, I'll give them that. My issue is that is a freaking large man. That man weighs 250, 300 pounds. He's a really Easy. big guy. And he's like tell, six, seven and built like Schwarzenegger. Yeah, he's, he's a really big guy. And you're telling me he used a basketball netting to brace his body to hold his weight to fake his hanging. And I'm like, and then he's unconscious. So when they cut him down, they would have noticed the net because he wasn't awake. That, exactly. Yeah. That's, so that, that, that that's... was my problem. Was that with, with there was no way that they could have they could have taken him down and not seen the net because right. that was what that was what it was actually suspended from. Right. You know. So that yeah that that there there are little things like that that you you have to kind of say well, okay I'm not going to That would only worked if he had had his friend be one of the EMTs who came in to take him out. That I would have believed because that's actually yeah, what I he thought did. he did. I thought he mm -hmm. had gotten people that he knew to be the EMTs to come in. And then I was like, oh, okay, cool. But it was yeah. like random dudes who didn't know. And I was like, uh, they didn't check his vitals. I mean, I understand the drugs are supposed to slow his heart. But I was like, slow his heart. The EMTs couldn't tell that he's still alive. No, come on. Like, no, I don't buy that. No. So the only way that that worked was if the EMTs were in on it. And if, because they weren't, I was like, boo. Yeah. But, and they should have done that. They, that that's, that's one thing. It wouldn't have taken that much time to arrange for, you know, that little thing to make that scene make sense. Yes, exactly. So yeah, that was um, a problem. But the rest of it, I think works. I really like, and I, I was actually really, and there was that flashback scene when he's a little kid and the girl was like, if you swim to me, I'll kiss you or whatever. But she mm -hmm. was all like, you know, about, is it true that black people can't swim? And then they show him struggling to swim. And I was like, no, it's not that black people can't swim. It's that black people don't have pools. I was like, that's, that's, that's what it is, is that they don't have access to pools. And 
So then they show him not being able to swim. And I was like, I'm not sure what this message is. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like, I'm not sure where they're going with this image. Well, he uh, did make it to the other side. He did, but he did not swim well at all. No. But, and that made her seem kind of like a jerk. And so I was like, wait, does he hate her? But then they have this conversation later. And I was like, wait. Do they like each other? Like, I was a little confused on what's going on with that relationship. Their relationship is complicated. Okay, thank you. All right. Well, I, I guess after this, I will be, after this podcast, I will know what I'm watching next. All right. <laughs> so let's wrap this up. Thumbs up for me. Um, next up, we're going to talk about WandaVision. Um, and... The drought of no Marvel Cinematic Universe products movies for the last <laughs> year and a half is over. Yes, <laughs> but it's to be fair, it's not the format I generally enjoy because it's a sitcom, and you know how I, sitcoms are. Eh, they're all right. <laughs> I, I, I was not. I mean, for what? No, if you get in your head, this is a sitcom. It works. Like the first episode is very much "I Dream of Jeannie" kind of. Not "I Dream of Jeannie." The first one is "It's I more Love like Lucy. Dick Van Dyke show." Yeah, first Dick Van Dyke. It's really Dick Van Dyke show. And then the second one is, one is, is "I Dream of Jeannie." It's Bewitched. Bewitched. Ah, <clears throat> oh, okay, sure. Yeah. What I love is how the 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 the, the house changes, and yep. they don't react to it as if it's any nope. different. I noticed their notice. I noticed their clothes change. I don't think I noticed the house change. The house, oh, house. So they, the house starts out being a single story, very Dick Van Dyke thing. There's a like a little dais by the door, and then you go straight. You know, there's a kitchen and everything. And then the and then the second episode, it's a two story house. Oh, there is I don't think I noticed staircase. that. <laughs> Opening and in, credits. And in fact, not only that, but the 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 uh, couch actually changes from the beginning of the episode to the end of the episode it's a different couch yeah i feel so, like it's kind of cool too the way it it seems like um the first one was more of like a 50s tv show the right. second one is kind of like a 60s tv and then by the yep. end of the second episode they go into color so yep. i was like oh so maybe they're going to be more brady bunch 70s or something like yeah. i don't I don't, how many episodes is it? Do we know? It's, uh, nine, nine episodes. Nine episodes. Nine. Well, and okay. So is, nine episodes. They can't do. They can't just do one decade per episode. They're gonna have to slow no. down. Well, but, I think. I think they've already and they've already dropped little little hints oh, that yeah. something more is going on oh, than sure, just you right. know doing a, a you know a sitcom thing. That that there's something sinister happening. And and I mean, first of all, we know. I mean, we we have to ask ourselves why is vision still there um yeah. and and who is trying to communicate with wanda yeah because there's a I voice i didn't recognize the voice either i kept trying to recognize not, the voice i i supposed to. i think it's supposed to be fahis it's it's or, or not supposed to be i think it's fahis it sounds sort of like him but i could be wrong but huh. it's whoever it is keeps saying you know who's doing this to you who's Wanda. doing this to you do you hear me wanda um, so yeah, it's kind of that the creepiness is, is coming in and you see that they are in fact being observed. So, um, I'm really fascinated to see where this is ultimately going to go, where she is. Is she just in her own mind? Is she being forced to do this somehow? Is this, they, are they being stuck in a digital simulation? Is vision actually there or just a figment of her imagination? Um, I, you know, I'm really in 
to the show. They have me in with the, with the mystery of it. <laughs> and also just the perfect attention to detail with this, the eras they're doing, including the, the commercial breaks, which are oh, hilarious. Oh, the commercial yes. breaks are great. The, the Strucker watch. I was like, no. how do I know that Strucker name? How do I know that name? And it was like Hydra it's symbol on Hydra. it. Oh, right. Yeah, That's and the Tony Stark toaster I like too. Make it, is your toast not coming out right? Uh, <laughs> But uh, Peter, you're you are our sitcom guru. Yeah, I I thought it, I watched it twice. Like, um, I really liked it. I I think it's I I am I am intrigued, of course, with the Marvel mystery that's that's happening. But I'm really more just enjoying how much the writers and actors, like Catherine Hahn, seems to be having a ball. Love Catherine Hahn. This kind of archetypal, like uh, next door neighbor, like sitcom character and stuff. So like that just all those little like little touches the way she uses her hands or um there's just a lot of as a again as a fan of like sitcom or whatever like i really i just really enjoy um stuff just the the way the the banter is you know like what was that i mean what's what the first thing of the oh even like in the opening in the pilot when vision accidentally walks through the door for their for their wedding Uh, and he drops her yeah. Right. Like just all those little things are like I just yeah I'm really I really like it and it and it 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 and the production value is great. I mean it's a Marvel show, so I I wish they had. I think the I think that when I saw um or when I read um, reviews, critics were given three episodes, and by the end of the second episode it turns the color. So I really wish they had dropped all three for us because I really was like, well, I want to see like like the next run right away. So um, yeah, no, uh, totally thumbs up. I've heard on, I mean, I've heard on Twitter and stuff. Some people, I think, cause Libby, I know you're not a huge sitcom person. I think some people, if they only really watch the pilot, were just kind of like, wait, what? It's just an old sitcom. That's it. Like, <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, it's, it really is kind of playing it straight for those like 20, 22 minutes or whatever. But I mean, that's not really. Oh, and the guy, the guy who's the owner of the ho- the heart, that actor is great. I mean, he's he's in a ton of stuff. Do you know who that is, Tom? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's fantastic. He's in Coen Brothers movies, and he's really good. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm really really enjoying it. I think it's I think it's really interesting that some people have had uh, people who don't know old sitcoms probably have the least positive reactions to it because they're not understanding there is a very specific reason going on and i have not looked yet because there are fan sites that are parsing every single little visual clue in detail and there are some clues are more obvious than others about what this might mean and who the beekeeper might be and who the neighbor really is oh i forgot about the beekeeper right right yeah but um i just think it's just evidently in episode three is when we start to really get knee deep in the mystery but i love that they kind of let these first two episodes establish kind of the narrative pattern of we're we're playing with sitcom tropes and we're doing it through the ages so hang with us before they really dive into the mystery but man nobody can ever say that all marvel stuff is exactly alike because yeah. <laughs> this was a this was a big swing for them yeah, and, and I think uh, that's why that's isolating some people because they go in with an expectation of of a certain thing. You know, Marvel's going to be a certain thing, and this is so far off the mark yeah. um, that I think some people just you know their reaction to it is, "What did I just watch?" <laughs> um, so I think it's it's you know people who aren't conversant with with old sitcoms. I mean, 
I grew up with these shows, so so I'm I'm recognizing where they're 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 coming from, but maybe you know, and I know that they run in reruns, so you know, other people, you don't have to be my age to to uh, know some of these things, but oh. still, you know, for people who aren't conversant, they're they're a little bit out of it, and I think for people who just don't like the weirdness of it, um, who aren't into things that are that you know avant-garde weird weird. Um, they're they don't know what to do with it with it either. So uh, yeah, I think I think if if you like it, you probably love it, and if you don't, you probably really don't. Right. Um, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it probably there's a a big split down. I don't think there's too many people who are just kind of uh, neither way about it. <laughs> I did see I did see the trope of the misunderstanding for the dinner. I thought that I was like, I've seen this episode before. <laughs> uh, it was like the husband's like, oh, so you got everything arranged, right? And she's like, oh, absolutely. And you know that they're both talking about two separate things. That is such a sitcom trope. Oh, that was great. Yeah. 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 And I was like, oh, I see where this is going. Um, and yeah, though, the only the only thing that, that added to it was like when she's trying to make the dinner, of course, she's trying to use her powers and she's making the dinner worse using her powers. <laughs> Uh, so all of that was, it was fun and you just have to just like go, okay, I'm watching a sitcom. And if you just let your brain understand that, then I think it's fine. Um, let's wrap this one up. Um, if you guys have any questions or comments, leave them at tvcampfire.gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Listen to something at radio.com, Krypton Radio. We've not listened to iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye.